Welcome back to another episode of Next Gen Athletics, a podcast all about college sports. In today's show, we break down what happened in the Elite Eight and talk about how crazy of a year it has been. A surprise? Maybe not so much as you would think. Now, ladies and gents, let's kick the tires and light the fires. This is Next Gen Athletics with your hosts, Trotter Scarce and Thomas Woods. Yes, sir. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Next Gen Athletics. As always, I am your host, Trotter Scarce, and as always, my wonderful co-host, Thomas Woods, joins us. He's back in Clemson. Thomas, how you doing, bud? Doing great, man. I, I am a little bit nasally, if you guys can't tell. Uh, I was under the weather last time we recorded, but I'm feeling better now. I'm just a little bit nasally still. Um, but I'm, I'm just glad to be back in Tigertown. I was walking around earlier, and I was wearing too much clothes. I didn't realize how hot it was. It had me feel like I was a hot pocket, just sweating up. In the, it, was, it, was a, it was a rough time. Uh, earlier today trying to figure out what the weather was like I'm, I'm used to that st louis weather and it being a little bit chillier and all that so um it's, it's been an adjustment but it's been a good adjustment and i'm glad to be back in tiger town uh living it up go to st louis one week and you're a local i guess that's how that works <laughs> it is that's how that, that's how it works fair enough fair enough no i mean yeah i was braving the elements here in columbia today uh, had a storm last night felt like it was trying to knock columbia to the ground there that was uh that was intense. It was crazy. Family lost power. I actually didn't even get to watch the end of the San Diego State Creighton game yesterday because I went home for the weekend and we lost power at the house. So I, I didn't even get to watch the end of the game, which is a real shame because like it was, you know, super controversial and close. But um, unfortunate, unfortunate events. The Mother Nature just was not on, on my side this weekend, but it's all right. We're getting through it. Thomas, we were just talking a little bit off the air. This has to be the craziest year in tournament history. I mean, it just has to be. There's no other explanation for this. We've got a five seed, a nine seed, a five seed, and a four seed. This is going to be the first time in NCAA history a one, two, or three seed is not going to be playing for a national championship. We said a couple minutes ago, normally what you try to do is you try to have close to a double-digit number when you add up all of the seeds, right? You just told me a couple minutes ago, we're in the 20s. I mean, I, I'm not sure how we got here. I love that we're here. I'm absolutely a fan of it, but it's it's a crazy year for college basketball. Yeah, to say the least, it's a, it's a crazy year. I mean, and think about back to the first round with the with the upsets with, with 15 seeds winning and 16 seeds winning. I mean, that just doesn't happen on a regular year. And, and I was, I, I think I mentioned it last podcast too. I was really complaining early on. There wasn't enough upsets happening. I mean, there was some major upsets but not enough upsets and so now every game feels like an upset even though um i mean san diego state beating creighton feels like a cinderella run because i mean a five seed making it to the final four is always a big deal but the other option was a six seed and so it's like no matter what happens at this point um cinderella team is going to come home with the with the championship um and at the end of a year where i i feel like there was no clear number one or, or like really no clear top 10, but it felt like those top 10 were definitely going to get it done I'm sitting here. And it's a, it's a four seed that at this point probably has the best odds of winning it. And it's, it's just a crazy, crazy year. And I've, I've loved every second of this tournament. I definitely agree. I, you know, you know, 
we had mentioned in our preview show of the tournament when the brackets came out, literally two hours after the brackets came out, you and I made a podcast and said, listen, of all the years for craziness and of all the years for the seeding to not really dictate how this game, how this tournament plays out, this is that year. I don't think you and I thought it would be to this extreme, right? I don't, I, I mean, clearly I did not think that was going to happen because my bracket is long been gone and, and, and done and over. Um, my, my last chance was for uh, Miami and Creighton to make the elite eight. And when they did, that was, that was all she wrote. I had no more, no more luck in, in my bracket, but I mean, listen, I, I'm definitely here for the madness. I'm here for the chaos I've said it on this podcast before. When it's not my teams, I absolutely love the chaos and the craziness. When it is my teams, I want my teams to do well, and I want what happens to happen. But listen, we're going to dive into these games. We'll start in the first game. FAU gets the win over Kansas State, 79-76. to We'd mentioned on the podcast on Saturday morning that Kansas State was kind of our one and only clear-cut favorite, and they lost. And I actually thought after we got off the air, I kind of thought, man, like, we might have just doomed Kansas State, and we did. But, you know, this was a, an FAU team that just kind of stuck around the entire game. They didn't go away. Kansas State kind of jumped out to an early lead, but FAU just kind of hung in there. They came back, and and ultimately they got the job done. Yeah, back and forth game uh, really t- down to the end. And, and I would think with as much uh, testing that Kansas State's been through this year that in a close game down the stretch they would have the – experience to to come out with the win there. I, I think back to that Kansas State-Kansas game, which really put Kansas State on the map for the season. And um, watching that team then, you know, a game like that game gives so much experience. And then just playing in the Big 12 gave them so much more experience with those close games, those grinded out hard, hard games to win. And FAU just hung around, did what they had to do, and, and escaped with a win. And Man, it is just every time this FAU team plays, it impresses me more and more. Um, I, I really, you can't expect a mid-major like this to to make a run like this. You know, um, I think about sure we have the Mountain West represented in the Final Four, which is always crazy. Uh, it's a it's a it is a mid-major as well, but um, FAU is not in a, in a basketball conference at all, and it, and it really the CUSA in a conference for anything really. Um, like it's just there. I feel like, and I mean, there was talks that if they didn't win their conference tournament, they weren't going to be in. I think they probably would have been in anyway, but there was talks that if they had lost in the championship game, they wouldn't have been in. And it's like, well, we almost excluded this team from being in if had they lost that one game. And here they are in the final four, proving that like they, they deserve, they, they belong here. Um, at this point, there's like no debate whether or not FAU is a team that deserves to be here or not. They have done what it takes all season long. Um, I mean, three losses on the year is incredible. This is a team full of winners. They know what they're doing. And uh, I don't want to talk too much about them because I want to, I want to see them continue success. But uh, what a great win for them against a really, really good Kansas State team. Yeah, I mean, I got to agree. This is an FAU team that was down to UAB in the Conference USA Championship game late. Like, I can't remember the exact time frame, but I know it was late in that game. And they were losing it. And I remember – um, it was on a Sunday afternoon right before the brackets were announced and I was watching the SEC tournament and they cut to that game and was like, hey, like this is a big deal. Like I don't think this is going to get enough press coverage, but if FAU doesn't win, like there's a chance that one of the best teams as far as win and loss record goes isn't going to make the tournament. 
And so obviously FAU did end up winning it. They've kind of had a crazy road to where they are now. You know, they had to get through Memphis in a tough, hard-fought game. A little bit of controversy there. Maybe it was a jump ball. Maybe Memphis called a timeout. I'm not really sure. Ultimately, what happened was it was a jump ball, and FAU got the ball, and they scored and won the game. Controversy. They then went on, and, and they beat FDU. You know, I don't think a lot of people before the tournament had started would have First off, expected FAU to beat Memphis. Second off, definitely would not have had Farley Dickinson playing FAU. Okay, well, they got past uh, FDU in in a close game. I think a lot closer game than a lot of people expected. They then got a hot Tennessee team that I expected to just kind of dominate FAU, just kind of physically go and prove to FAU that they're a big team and that they deserve to be respected. Um, that, That didn't happen. FAU got the better of them. And then I thought, surely this is a Kansas State team that played really, really well in the Big 12. They're they're one of the best teams in the country right now. Surely they'll get the job done. Nope. Once again, FAU proved me and the rest of the country wrong. They got the win over Kansas State. At this point, it, it's, it's hard to pick against them because they just keep winning games when I feel like there's absolutely no way they can. You know, credit to, credit to the Owls. I, I'm definitely... Um, a, a huge fan. I'll be rooting for him against San Diego State. This is going to be an FAU team that has already played a team like San Diego State and Tennessee. So I think that they're going to be excited to have the opportunity to do it again. San Diego State just beat Creighton and Alabama, a team that plays a lot of offense like FAU. FAU doesn't necessarily play as quickly as those two teams play, but San Diego State, once again, another team that I feel like shouldn't be here but they're winning games when they're supposed to. doesn't really matter how, whether it was a foul or not a foul at the end of the Creighton game. At this point, doesn't matter. They're going to Houston. They're, they're still dancing. They're still in the Final Four. I mean, I just I couldn't be any more excited for these teams and these conferences because in a time in college athletics when there is chaos happening because of conference realignment and, and the potential for power conferences to be started – for all that to get shoved out the window for the Mountain West and Conference USA to stick it to the Power Five and, and get to a Final Four in Houston, I think is great for college basketball. I think it's great for college athletics because it just kind of proves to recruits and to the rest of the country, like, you don't necessarily have to go to a big school to win a national championship. Because guess what? You can do it in the Mountain West and Conference USA. It's all about coaching and playing. So that's just my little rant. That's actually a, a side of things that I hadn't thought about. Um, I did recognize that it was a lot of the smaller conferences, but I didn't really put together like how that would affect, you know, conference realignment and like how that all plays into it. And yeah, that, that's a, that's a great point that you're making. Uh, I mean, it'd be easy at this point to, to look at, you know, a, a conference like the SEC or big 12 where it's getting just so hectic and so many teams moving around and uh, conferences just getting bigger and uh, more big name, big brand schools, joining up to form basically leagues of their own. Um, and yet here we are. None of those power conferences are represented here. You're not seeing the SEC. You're not seeing the Big 12. Um, I mean, the ACC is the biggest one here, and it's a team that didn't even win their conference. So uh, and same for the Big East, which is kind of like a, a power, like the, like the sixth power conference in college basketball. They didn't win their conference either. So, I mean, it really just goes to show um, how important it is just – to be on a good team with good coaches. It doesn't really matter what the name brand is. It doesn't really matter what the name value is. I mean, UConn and Miami are big branded schools, but um, I mean, 
either SDSU or FAU are going to be playing for a national championship. One of the two is getting there. And once that game is, once that game tips off, anything can happen. Uh, and so it's a really exciting time. Uh, like you're saying, I, I like that point about how it kind of uh, battles back and fights back against the whole uh, major conference thing that's going on right now in college sports. And this, yeah, this, this tournament definitely uh, has been great for college athletics as a whole, not just for college basketball, not just for the season, but going forward. I agree. And I think that, you know, a lot of credit is to, you know, as much as it gets hated on, I think a lot of credit goes to the transfer portal and to NIL for giving these guys at these mid-major schools an opportunity to stay longer, find a program that fits them the best. You know, I've been, I've been a college athlete. Like I I've been at a small school, but I also got the opportunity to see how the transfer portal can give guys second chances, right? We had some guys on the team out at Coker who had played division one soccer, who had either gotten hurt or maybe it just wasn't a good fit. And they ended up at Coker and they got to play for one of the best teams at the division two level in the country. So, you know, I think that this is a testament to that. You know, I can't say I know of any players on San Diego state or FAU that have come out of the portal or have these big NIL deals, but I would go as far to imagine that, listen, especially in the NIL side, these guys are going to get a ton of opportunities now because, you know, whether they want to stay at FAU or stay at San Diego state or transfer to a bigger program and have a chance to go back to a final four next year, they're going to get something because you don't just go to a final four and nothing happened. It used to be that you got all kinds of cool stuff. Now it's that you get this crazy NIL deal or you get an opportunity of a lifetime to go play for a blue blood. I think that for both of these programs, it's going to be huge for both of these athletic departments. It's going to be huge. The amount of money they're going to make off of revenue and endorsement deals and all kinds of fun stuff is going to be major for them. You know, I think that San Diego state, especially for a team kind of out there on the West coast, it's kind of stuck you know, in, I don't want to call it irrelevancy, but they're stuck in a market in San Diego that just gets eaten up by LA. It gets eaten up by some of those power five teams in their state. And so for them to have an opportunity like this to compete for a final four, I think further proves the point that in certain college athletics, it doesn't matter, right? Like basketball, baseball, soccer, Maybe not football just because of, you know, football is just one of those sports where you got to have big men and and sometimes the smaller schools just can't do that. But, you know, for, for these kind of smaller sports, I think that it's important that sometimes we have years like this. Maybe not to this extent all the time, but I do think it's important for college sports to just kind of have a little bit of a, a year of parity, a year of just um, inconsistency at that, just so that everybody kind of feels like they have a level playing field again. Yeah, and I don't want to get too far down the rabbit hole of NIL and transfer port and all that because me and you have a tendency to fall into that trap and talk about it for way too long. But I remember before NIL became allowed, I, I wrote so many papers and gave so many speeches about uh, why college athletes should be paid. And this was one of the reasons that I said it, that they should be um, allowed to get some compensation. It's because situation like this where um, – these recruits have been able to, or the players now, but they're, they're able to make a name for themselves at a smaller team, smaller program. They can get paid for that. They don't have to be at Duke. They don't have to be at Kansas. They don't have to be at Kentucky. They can be at one of the smaller schools. They can perform well at that school and then make a name for themselves that way. And it, it allows the 
the option for these smaller coaches, these smaller schools to say, hey, I know you're a three-star and you could go play at Kentucky and be a, a six-man, but you could also come here and be the guy. And then you can make a name for yourself that way. And it, it would it would allow for, for parity to be seen in not just in, in the results, but in the recruiting as well. Um, and so many higher-ranked recruits that might not get playing time at a bigger school can go to a smaller school, change that program for, for the better, and also, you know, make money from it. And so um, a year like this really just goes to show that, like, it, it can be done the right way. Um, there's still a lot that needs to be fixed with NIL and, and the portal and all that. But um, th this does show, like, you know, a, a recruit that's choosing between uh, UCLA or San Diego State, and they're like, well, I go to UCLA, it's a bigger school, maybe my name gets out there a little bit more. Well, no, you can go to San Diego State, perform well, get the Sweet 16, get the Final Four, I actually have success with the team and actually, you know, you're, you're getting your name out there anyway. Um, and so it definitely provides another option to some of these recruits that are trying to choose, you know, what they want to do and what benefits them uh, and their, and their own personal brand. So yeah, definitely this, a year like this can be very beneficial to the whole college sports landscape as a whole. Absolutely. And we'll, we'll leave San Diego state and FAU alone it's a Cinderella run that just needs to be acknowledged. It needs to be praised because it's an unbelievable feat. But, you know, we don't want to beat a dead horse and continue to talk about how good it is for these two colleges, the institutions, the, the, the athletic departments and colleges, athletics as a whole. So we'll leave them alone. We're going to move to the other side of the bracket. Miami UConn, Thomas, these are the two teams that I feel like you could make a legit case to put them in your final four at the very beginning. We were joking off air about a little bracket challenge that we have with some friends and somebody in there had UConn in the final four and pretty much all of them. And so we were, you know, joking around about, you know, first off, don't know who that is, who whoever that is. you are. Credit to you. You did, you did a great <laughs> job. I mean, absolutely. They have Miami winning one of them. So clearly they're better basketball knowledge people than we are, but you know, this is, these are going to be two teams. I think this is going to be a really interesting matchup because you've got two teams that are just high-powered offenses. UConn, we're going to talk about them for a minute, is flying through people. They held the number one scoring team in the country to 54 points. They, I don't know what they're, they're feeding them down there and in, in, in UConn, but I mean, good gracious, they are just killing people. I mean, first off, when they when they got Iona, I thought, well, they'll get past Iona, they'll get past St. Mary's, then they'll probably lose to Kansas. They have just blown through these teams, and, and I understand that you know they didn't get to play Kansas or UCLA, but they're still beating good teams, and they're beating them by a lot. Yeah, they're just dominant, um, and it's it's just so impressive. Uh, this is a UConn team that at the beginning of the year. You might have seen this coming. They were looking like they were this good early in the season, and then they they slipped up, uh, had a little rough patch, as most teams do throughout the year. And so a lot of a lot of people wrote this team off when that happened. I was shocked even to see them as a four seed. I thought they should have been lower. Uh, I'll be honest. I, I thought they got hot towards the end of the year, but I mean, looking at their resumes regular season wise, I don't see why a team like. UConn is higher seeded than than Duke or, or AM even. Um I, I thought that some of these teams just were more deserving than UConn was. I thought that the Big East uh was very good, but I didn't think UConn 
was necessarily deserving of being one of the higher seeds um, in this in this tournament. And the fact that they're a four seed now, looking back, is like, well, they should have been a three or two. Like they, they're crazy good. But at the time, I was shocked to see them at a four. Um, and then throughout this whole tournament, they've shocked me with how dominant they've been. I agree with you. I, I definitely had them making the uh, the Sweet Sixteen fairly fairly easily, but not this easily. They've done everything they've done has just been with ease. They've done it without really uh, slowing down at all. I mean, the smallest ones, fifteen points over um, St. Mary's, who was a really good basketball team. I, I, they just they don't struggle, um, and at this point, they have to be the favorites to win the whole thing. Absolutely. I mean, it's hard to make a case against them. You know, the only case you could make in a year like this is that madness and chaos is just going to ensue and that, you know, who freaking knows? Give me FAU. But I think that you'd be a madman to not sit here and argue for F or excuse me, UConn as your favorite. This is just I mean, this is an impressive team that we're watching play basketball here. And, you know, like you said, at the beginning of the year, if you had told me they make a Final Four, I would have said, yeah, you know, that kind of makes sense. They're the second best team in the country. Um, they're a really, really good team. But then they go through that skid in the middle of the year, and I completely got off of the train. I said, listen, this is just – this is another one of those overhyped early preseason teams that we see it every year where one of these teams is just way too bad to be ranked as high as they are. And, you know, maybe they're a tournament team. Maybe they're not. We'll have to wait and see. I mean – They've finished the year on a tear, right? Even in the regular season, they finished the year on a tear. And, you know, unfortunately, they lost to Marquette in that that um, Big East semifinal game. But th- that didn't really slow them down. You know, they remind me a lot of uh, last year's UNC team, where UNC finished the year on a tear. They lost to Virginia Tech in the ACC tournament semifinal didn't slow them down at all. I think they were a seven seed, maybe an eight seed. I can't remember. And obviously they made it all the way to the national championship and were leading the national championship for there for a little bit before Kansas came back and won. So, you know, this is, this is just, you know, this is an impressive UConn team, but I think it's something that if you kind of look at the season as a whole, shouldn't be as surprising as it really is. Yeah. Especially looking at the end of the season, like you mentioned, and they were on an absolute tear. They've only lost, two games since uh January 25th. Uh they've two games in, in, in two months at this point is no wonder. I mean yeah. obviously a lot of those are like winner go home situations. So you know they lost to Marquette in the semifinals so they were out for that tournament. And if they had lost one of these games they'd be out too. But I mean at this point they're just winning basketball games. They've been doing it for a while now. They beat a lot of good teams during that stretch too. Uh, I think it's some of the teams that they beat during that time they beat they beat Marquette handedly by 15 uh, in early February. Their their one loss in February was to Creighton by three. They beat Providence, and they beat uh, St. John's, and then obviously they had to go through the, the Big East, and they had to beat Villanova. They had to beat Providence again. Um, and then now in the tournament, they've beaten uh, so many good teams. Uh, it, it's just it, – it really is funny to me how the narrative of a team can, like, change – how everybody views them. Because, I mean, I was in the same boat where I just kind of gave up on them, had no hope for their season. I thought, you know, I thought they were going to get a Sweet 16 and then just kind of be forgotten about. Um, and here they are blowing teams out every game they play, and they don't look like they're slowing down. So um, it's going to be a tough game for Miami. 
like for sure. It's going to be a game that's going to be grinded out. And uh, it, it surprised me more if UConn lost than if they won by 15, you know. At this point, yeah. UConn's just so dominant. It, it, it surprised me more if they lost than if they won by 15 or 20 points. Oh, I, I definitely agree. And, and that kind of takes us into this Miami team, a Miami team that kind of like UConn is winning games pretty dominantly, not as kind of flashy as far as the numbers go. They got by Drake, you know, kind of almost barely. They beat them by seven. Then they went out and hammered Indiana. They went out. They didn't hammer Houston, but they got a very convincing win by 14 over the one seed in that side of the bracket. They then went out and put 88 points on a two seed Texas that a lot of people argued should be a one seed. It was really the last kind of dominant team that we had been used to seeing all year long. You know, this was a Miami team, though, that I feel like kind of a lot like Houston. If you look at their regular season, if you look at the way their season actually went, being the regular season champion in the ACC, being the one seed in the ACC tournament, having a tough loss to a Duke team that was just hot at the right time. They were down one of their best rebounders in that game early to a a twisted ankle. You know, I, I don't think that. These two teams being ranked at four or five, you know, in hindsight, it's easier to sit here and go, well, obviously they should be higher. But even in the moment, I feel like there's a case for both of these teams to be ranked a little higher if, you know, maybe they just win one more game in their conference tournament just to make it to a a championship instead of being in the semifinal out. But once again, a Miami team that played really, really well all year long. They've got really, really guard play from Isaiah Wong. And, and I just think that, you know, this is going to be a great game between Miami and UConn in the Final Four. Yeah, it, it really will be. And I'm, I'm looking at the end of their season, too, like I was doing with UConn, and eerily similar, man. Uh, lost one game right at the end of January, only lost one in February, made the semifinal in their conference tournament, and then here they are in the Final Four, ready to go to battle. Um, both of these teams finished season very hot. Um and unfortunately, uh, I mean, what kind of got Miami going the right direction was that one over Clemson. That was a really good game that I got to watch, like, in person, live. That Miami team played really hard. And, like, that game honestly turned the season around. Um, not turned the season around. They were having a good year already. But, like, that game really pushed them forward. They, they had the opportunity to go on a skid there. They didn't go on the skid. They got things going in the right direction. And they haven't looked back since. That, that The tough loss to Florida State on that crazy comeback on that buzzer beater, that was a terrible loss that – Definitely hurt them. And the loss to Duke in the semifinal uh, had to be frustrating for them. But uh, they've kind of taken those losses on on the, you know, they t- take the hit and just keep going. And uh, they're, they're just driving through right now. Um, and this game right here is going to be one. Punchers are going to be thrown throughout the entire night. And it's just who can, who can keep getting back up, keep fighting. Yeah, I, I mean, I definitely agree with that. I think that this is going to be a, a, a battle of heart, right? This is going to be a gut check game where – the team who wins is going to be the team that wants to win the most. You know, I know that that's totally a coach speak kind of cliche thing, but I think it's very true in a game like this where you've got two high-powered offenses. You've got a team in UConn who's got a, a pretty dominant defense, but you've got a team who's battle-tested like Miami. I think it's going to be a great game between these two. And, you know, like you said, I, I think that as of right now, UConn is a favorite. They're actually a five-and-a-half-point favorite, um, according to Vegas. And uh, I think that that's probably a fair number of how, you know, UConn's been playing recently. But, you know, Miami is definitely not a team to shrug off. 
I think that this is going to be a pretty much pound for pound game. Um, I'm really, really excited to see how this one plays out on Saturday. That is going to do it for our kind of preview show or maybe not a preview show, but a recap show of the elite eight. We are going to do a preview show for you guys, either Thursday or Friday. We're going to have to wait and see exactly when that is going to come out. Um, we got to wait and kind of make sure schedules line up correctly and that we can give you guys the best opportunity for, you know, hearing the right content. I think it's important that you guys do know that. Um, however, on the flip side of things, there is women's basketball going on as well. There's actually Virginia Tech is playing right now. My Hokies are up by 10 over Ohio State. Go Hokies. But South Carolina, Iowa, and LSU so far are in the final four. And you can't be a college sports podcast without shouting out Caitlin Clark, an absolute dog. I mean, let's call it what it is. Say it with me, dog. This girl is unbelievable. If you haven't seen her stat line, let me pull it up and read it out for you guys. And no, I'm not reading this wrong. She had 41 points. She had 10 rebounds, 12 assists, three steals, and only nine turnovers. I mean, that that's an unbelievable game on 39 minutes. She, she averaged over a point a minute, an unbelievable performance. It was the first time in NCAA history, anybody in the NCAA tournament, whether it was a man or a woman had over 30 points in a triple double, much less 40 points in a triple double. You, you got to shout out that performance from Caitlin Clark and the Iowa Hawkeyes. Yeah, I believe she was uh, responsible for 70 points uh, or somewhere around 70 points, uh, over 70% of their points for sure um, that she was responsible for in that game. Just an absolute crazy performance. You just don't see stuff like that every day. Eight of 14 from three. She did it crazy efficiently, only missed eight shots. 11 of 13 from the free throw line. She's been balling all year. Um, she is third in the women's side of things for, for points uh, per game, averages 27.3 points per game wow. all season long and averaging, uh, she, she's first in assists per game in 8.6. Uh, she's averaging 27, seven rebounds and eight assists per game. Uh, this shouldn't, no, no, no. It, it should come as, as a surprise. You don't just do this. This is no. not something that's like, we, we should p- try to downplay, but she's been playing like this all season. She's been playing this well. Uh, for a lot of this year. And uh, so it, it's great to see that she's leading her, her Hawkeyes uh, this far. And also that she's just, I mean, history being made a, a really impressive game. And I'm, I'm excited to see what she can do in, in, her, in her next one. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I can't wait to see that Iowa South Carolina matchup, Kaylin Clark against the powerhouse that South Carolina is Don Staley side uh, got another pretty dominating win today, 86 to 75 over Maryland. I mean, I just want to point this out as long as Virginia Tech can finish out this game and I might be doing them while I'm saying this, but the podcast won't come out until afterwards. Um, but if Virginia Tech wins, like I'm I'm pretty sure they will. I'm hoping they will. I will have all four of my final four teams in the women's side of the bracket, right? Just saying toot my own horn a little bit because I did terrible in the men's side of the bracket, but uh, I, I at least kind of fixed it with the women's bracket that wasn't too terrible. So, you know. I guess all is not lost in in love and war and basketball. So shout out to uh, the women's teams that have made the Final Four. Uh, Shout out to Caitlin Clark for being the GOAT, being a dog. So I'm definitely excited to see uh, how those games play out. I'm definitely excited to see this weekend how uh, the Final Four shapes up. But 
Um, that is going to do it for the show today, guys. Make sure you go follow us on Twitter. I posted something. I think it was either this morning. Was it this morning? Or was it last night that I posted? This morning. This morning. I posted something this morning, and this is Monday night that we're recording, um, saying, listen, listener questions, thoughts. You get, I mean, it was a crazy Elite Eight. Surely you guys have something. We didn't get anything. So uh, make sure you go follow the Twitter page. It's at next underscore gen underscore A-T-H. Once again, it is on Twitter at next underscore gen underscore A-T-H. And if you just look up next gen athletics, the page should pop up. Um, I've done it a couple times on other users and um, other accounts, and it always comes up pretty much first search. So make sure you guys are following that. That's how you're going to be able to communicate with us. Um, you know, I mentioned on the podcast uh, about a week ago that, you know, basketball season's coming to an end and basketball is, is kind of the big ticket item for the end of the year. I know we got baseball and softball going on as well, but basketball is, is really kind of the last sport that really pushes the needle as far as press coverage and all that fun stuff goes. So we're definitely going to be needing some, uh, some listener questions and some listener feedback for us going over these next couple of weeks. Uh, Cause we want to give you guys the best content available. And I, I feel like you guys don't necessarily want to want to hear us talk about baseball and softball uh, every week. So make sure you guys are doing that. I know that uh, Thomas and I would greatly appreciate that as well. Just letting us know what you think about the show and, and how you think we can make it better for you guys. Cause at the end of the day, we want to just give you guys the best opportunity and the best content possible uh, the absolute most bang for your buck, even though you're not paying, but I still think that's a cool saying. So I'm going to keep saying it. Um, Thomas, as always, it's a pleasure. It's been a pleasure as always. I, I definitely uh, greatly appreciate you coming on with us. I'm always glad to be a part of this. And next gen athletics to the moon, baby. At to to the, the freaking moon. Tell your friends to tell their friends to tell their friends about next gen athletics together. We will go to the moon. We're going to have to make a t-shirt. We're going to have to do something. <laughs> <laughs> it's too good not to. Uh, Thomas, as always, appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Uh, have a good rest of your week, Thomas. You as well at home, listening in the car and at school, hopefully not in class, but wherever you are, uh, just enjoy yourselves this week. I think the weather is supposed to be beautiful here. Uh, get outside, get some fresh air in you, work out, do something productive. And we will be back talking to you guys later this week.